0: You're here with us on episode 188. Do you sometimes find that being strong enough can be, well, hard? And that even though you know what's good for you, eating healthy, ending that relationship, having that difficult conversation, finding a new job, culling toxic friends, any of those things and more, that it can be really hard to get up each day and go and do those things despite the fact they're all things that you need to do and should do for yourself. And then you might find whilst you're not doing those things, you're also beating yourself up for being weak or not being good enough or pathetic or insert giant list of horrible self-talk. If you're in that place or have been for a long time and you want some new seeds to plant in your mind, some new ideas of showing up for yourself in your everyday life in a way that moves you towards things that you actually want and know are good for you, then this episode is ideal as we talk about unlocking the shackles of expectation from your parents, friends, society. We talk about how offended everybody gets in this politically correct world and the consequences of that. And most importantly, we cover how you can sit in the driver's seat of your own life, develop awareness ownership and resilience because life, it's tough sometimes. (laughs) We want to give you some insight and some tools to help you get through it. A little dose of real talk is always a good thing and we've got some of that right here. So how about it? Let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another epic episode. And on today's show, we have some podcasting royalty, but hold your horses before we get there. In 2022, it's my mission to coach 300 mums to get control of their emotional eating so they can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories, or eating rabbit food. And my reason backing that mission is that I believe that making the world healthier and ensuring that you and your kids live longer, healthier lives, not riddled with food related diseases, I believe that's only going to happen by starting with the mothers of the world and having women and mothers firstly embodying health and secondly passing it on to their children. So if you want to get control of that emotional eating to avoid the sugar binges that often lead to you feeling terrible about yourself, scroll down to the show notes, tap the link to submit an application form for our program, and we'll figure out of time to chat and decide whether you and I are a good fit to work together or not. All right, onto this podcasting royalty conversation. Today, we have one of Australia's leading presenters, writers, educators in the area of health, high performance, resilience, self-management, leadership, communication, and more broadly, human behavior. Now, if that list of topics wasn't enough for you, he's also worked as an exercise scientist, business consultant, high-performance coach, university lecturer, AFL conditioning coach, which is Australian rules football for those overseas, uh, radio host, TV presenter, newspaper columnist, and is a very successful business owner. He hosts a high rating daily podcast called The You Project and is the author of seven books. And just to top it off, is also doing his PhD in neuropsychology. Now, I know many of my listeners already know that I'm talking about the wonderful Craig Harper. (laughs) Welcome to the show,
1: mate. Wow, let's hope I'm not terrible after that. Thanks, Matty. Thanks for—I've uh, been hounding you to come on. You wouldn't let me. I, what? What? What was the deal maker? How did I get over the line finally?
0: Oh, I don't know. I think—I think you just—you started to look real to me. You looked like a god for a while there.
1: Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you for all those nice words. And the reason that I've done so much is because I'm very old. By the time you're as old as me, your bio will be at least that long. So, uh, thanks for having me. It's fun to be here.
0: Uh, You're more than welcome. And and likewise, you've gotten me on your show a bunch of times and we're going to do it again tomorrow. So thank you for those opportunities. Pleasure, pleasure. All right. So because you have done so much stuff Mm. um, and I've listened to a heap of your your shows as well, we're going to talk about, have a bit of a conversation about resilience. And I really love this topic, especially because we're obviously coming to this conversation from the wonderful land of Australia, which is, you know, one of the most privileged and fortunate uh, pieces of land on the planet, depending, you know, on your perspective. Uh, But it's a really interesting topic that um, to, to discuss in a first world country, because it seems to be that the more privilege and opportunity one individual comes across, the harder it becomes to implement the idea of resilience or toughness or Mm. grit. Um, And so, you know, as somebody that's been on a massive journey and we both, you know, oddly grew up in the same town, um, you know, uh, which is super interesting, like from where you started to where you are now, what what have you learnt about resilience in a first-world privileged country?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's maybe define... You know, Here's the thing, even if you go into the literature or into the, um, the academic literature and you go, what is resilience? You're going to get a bunch of divergent theories and ideas and definitions. So I'm just going to say, for me, resilience is about your ability to keep doing the things that you need to do despite the inconvenience, the discomfort, the unfamiliarity, the uncertainty, the lack of fun, the lack of instant gratification quite often, to do those things that align with how you want to live and who you want to be, Um, you know, because, I mean, life is, uh, I mean, it is essentially comfortable in Australia but then there's we're talking primarily when we talk about how easy we have it, we're talking about stuff but we also know that in the middle of all of our stuff, our things, our, uh, our house, our car, our portfolios, all of that visible stuff, that we can be mentally and emotionally kind of um, not in a great place. So then, you know, one doesn't necessarily equal the other. So I'm always interested in this kind of uh, straddling of um, the duality of the human experiences, which is the world that I live in and the world that lives in me. And so we automatically can assume that, wow, he or she is in a good situation, situation, circumstance, environment, job, relationships, house, therefore they have it easy. And and that's a mistake because we all know people that have, you know, high profile people that have been loved and famous and rich that have ended their own lives. Um, Some intentionally, some not, but one doesn't necessarily equal the other. So, But for me, uh, as the the fat kid growing up in Latrobe Valley where you grew up, as the kid that was picked last for all the sporting teams and, you know, all that kind of stuff, in a way you go, oh, that was tough. And then I also go, yeah, but compared to what? Compared to being in the Ukraine right now, not tough at all. Compared Mm. to other kids that grew up in domestic violence and abuse, which I didn't, not tough at all. So you know, I think that it's it's really a matter of perspective. What one person will find incredibly difficult and troubling uh, and painful, somebody else will glide through. So it's mm-hmm. more about not so much the thing that's happening, but rather the way the thing that's happening impacts me and then what I do about that. So you know, like, for example, I've done lots of things in my career, lots that didn't work. I've done speaking gigs that were terrible. I've written things that didn't work, that people didn't like. I've done, um, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've gone the long way. I've gone to to well from Melbourne via, you know, Dubai. You know, sometimes it's taken me two years to do something that later on, I realized I could do in a year. But I actually think that that adversity and uncertainty, and to an extent, pain and discomfort, and all of those things, while being in the moment not great over the long term, they can be almost our superpower because mm-hmm. I can't build strength if I never work against resistance. And so, when I'm obsessed with building a comfortable, convenient life, while it seems like a good idea. On a, on a personal level, when the shit comes, and the shit's coming because it comes for everyone, when the shit comes and I'm built for comfort, I'm stuffed. So, mm-hmm. you know, building a nice situation, circumstance, environment, job, bank balance, all of those things, great. Definitely nothing wrong with any of that. But I think also more than building a great life, my goal is to build a great me. And by that I mean resilient, strong, adaptable, capable, uh, good at solving problems, good at being calm in the chaos, um, all that stuff is what, I, for me, I find more helpful in terms of building a great life.
0: In there, you mentioned like the fact that there are people that seem like, you know, visibly, like they've got all the materialistic things and all the things that, you know, the the paparazzi might put on in the news or, or on social media and they can still end up in a situation where they take their own life. And I think that in isolation, that definitely provides an example that, you know, material things don't necessarily make some people happy but I would, I would also say like that there's also people on the other end of the spectrum that kill themselves um, you know because they have nothing and and you could argue um, that both of those people were actually suffering from a lack of resilience whether it be a lack of resilience for doing what's necessary in order to create more abundance for yourself or not knowing what to do with the abundance that you've got and the inability to find meaning within that experience.
1: Mm. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think in terms of and I reckon we need to tread lightly when it comes to suicide because there are just a lot of variables and some people are in just such deep emotional distress that mm-hmm. for them in that moment that's the only way. And who am I or you to judge and go, ah, oh, well, they just didn't have enough resilience. I would never say that. But you're exactly right. And, and I'm not saying that when it comes to money and success in a commercial sense I mean, you and I don't work for nothing. When I go and talk for banks and bloody big business and all of that, I get paid really well, but I also do a lot of stuff that I get paid nothing for that I love and maybe get more joy from, right? So mm-hmm. it's not about money is good or money is bad or uh, success is good or bad. I think a lot of it has got to do with um, what those things mean to us. I think when your purpose is money, there are going to be problems, you know, and, and maybe this is just my experience, but I was, <clears throat> I was more successful when I was 30 than I ever thought I would be in the totality of my life. You know, like mm-hmm. I had five businesses, I had three gyms, I had two other businesses, I had a hundred staff, I was writing for the Herald Sun, I was doing all these cool things. I never thought I'd do any of that. I'd I thought I'd become a bloody boilermaker or welder, nothing wrong with those professions, by the way. But what why I thought that was because I grew up in an environment where most of my mates got a trade and I thought that's probably what I'll do, despite the fact that I'm about <laughs> as handy as a banana.
0: You know. It was the same in Morwald for me 20 years later. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, so and, and those things are great. They're just not my purpose, you know, or they're not mm-hmm. my mission. But you know, and then I and I, I remember being In in the context of what I thought was possible for me, I remember being wildly successful (laughs) for me but Mm -hmm. at the same time not very happy and not like my overwhelming emotion wasn't one of joy and happiness. It was like anxiety and self-doubt and overthinking and a bit of depression and stress (laughs) because I just had a hundred moving parts and in the middle of all of my, in inverted commas, success, I wasn't having the experience of success,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I totally hear what you're saying, and it's. And I think many, maybe many people in general, but I know as a young man myself, I went through a lot of my teenage years and my early 20s, really showing up in the world in a way that I thought I was meant to, yeah. Rather than rather than just naturally expressing myself, which and I didn't even know what that meant, by the way. Like you know, I didn't even know who I was, and I think a lot of people can get stuck in that um, that. A reflection of what's expected from their family members, their peers, social media. Um, and, and you could argue that much of the retail market thrives on that idea that people continue to project back into the world what they absorb from their social circle and social media. So, uh, you know, I guess having that level of awareness to begin separating yourself, like you sort of said at the start, the, you know, there's the you and the, or there's the world out here and the world in here uh, inside your body. It's like, the the intellect to be able to identify that those are two separate things of which both have free will and choice to engage with the other is like a massive leap emotionally for a lot of people to take.
1: Mm, yeah, that beautifully articulated. And I think what's really important is um, to think about, like everyone listening to this, if we could somehow magically quiz everyone listening to this and say, put up your hand if you want to live a bad life. <laughs> well, no hands go up, Right. Totally. And then, if we could say, who wants to live a good life? And of course, everybody wants that. Well, then the next question is, what does that mean? And I guess the, you know, the big picture, the macro answer is that, well, to who, <laughs> it means different things. If you, if you tried to put twenty-year-old Craig in fifty-eight-year-old Craig's life, twenty-year-old Craig would have gone, "This is bloody Snoresville. like." <laughs> This is like, let me out of here. This is so boring. Mm-hmm. What do you mean a PhD? What do you mean you're sitting research, reading research? You know, I would have hated my life at 20, mm-hmm. the one that I currently have at 58. Conversely, when I think about what I was doing in my 20s, I'm like, I'm so glad I survived that. I don't <laughs> want to be there anymore. And so, Can relate. <laughs> you know, and I guess as we evolve, our understanding of ourselves. my PhD is on self-awareness, but our understanding of ourself. And I think really good kind of self-reflection is what what do I actually not mum not dad not peers not media not social media not Matt Maddie not Craig not what do I think what do I believe what do I want what are my goals not what do people think I should do not what is expected of me not what does our culture or society or peer tell me success equals because mm-hmm. I I did that I was in the middle of the the classic representation of success I had a house and a beach house and a fancy car and all this stuff and I'm like wow how come I've ticked all these boxes and I'm super miserable like what is that about one doesn't equal the other for me mm-hmm. right and that's that I think uh, awareness of our own programming, because we all grew up in an environment, situation, circumstance, school system, culture, uh, religious model, what fill in the blank, whatever you grew up in, all of those things and people and uh, music and media and everything that influenced how you see the world and how you think and what you believe and um, what you're attracted to or repelled from, like all of that was programming on a, on a subconscious level and then to become aware of, you know, metacognition is, is becoming aware of how you think and why you think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, this is like almost opening the door on a, a deeper level of living, of consciousness, of self-awareness. And for me, that's where the super exciting stuff moves.
0: I totally agree. And I often think about the fact that the human species as an emotional being has made very limited progress since you know we began and depending on your belief system, that's either a really, really long time or a long time. Um, and I think the reason for that is because it takes most people, if not Only some people, you know, 90% of their lived life before they actually realize that. So if you think about the capacity that humans have for emotional development, it's like instead of 90 years on the earth, it's like nine years at the end of every 90 years that has ever been lived. And so we've actually, it's this really small amount of time that we've been practicing this. And obviously throughout that time, we've got the monks, we've got a few hippie friends that have woken up super early to the deeper meaning of life, Um, but many it's not until they're on their deathbed. And we it, there's those books that have been written by nurses that have worked in hospices, and it seems the world over, the regrets are the same.
1: Mm. Yeah, that, that's true. And and I think, well, one, it doesn't have to be the last nine years. But, but you, you know, you're probably pretty right in terms of it seems that a lot of people, uh, again, we're generalising, this might not be you, mm-hmm. but we, yeah, we, we tend to, We tend to live in a bit of a groundhog day and and I'm talking about the collective we, obviously not every individual person listening to this, but it's very easy to kind of get up and do what I did yesterday and eat the way I ate and talk the way I talk and, you know, do relationships and money and career and health and uh, life and lifestyle just the way that I've been doing it yesterday, last week, last month, last year, despite the fact that it's not really working. Now you would have seen that with food, right? You would have seen that with the what the relationship people have with food and their their inter- the way we socialise, the way we medicate with food, the way we numb out with food, the way that we you know, we do things on autopilot that actually Are we allowed to swear on the show? Not really. Yeah, really. totally. <laughs> okay, that fuck us up, you know, and I did that for a long time where I just because I was an insecure fat kid who then became an insecure really in shape kid Mm -hmm. who then kind of swung back the other way and got a bit fat as a young adult then in shape and then out of shape and then obsessed and then super obsessed and then crazy and then you know but and I just had to acknowledge what was going on in me because I had really bad hardwired behaviors that were destructive um Mm -hmm. you know and I think that just just hitting you know, even being able to hit the pause button and go how do i live and why do i live this way not in an overthinking deeply philosophical way necessarily it can even be in a very practical strategic way does the way that i do work work for me does my relationship with food and people know what that means is it healthy or toxic destructive or productive you know does it does it empower me or disempower me What about money? What about the way that I spend? Is it healthy or unhealthy? What about the way that, you know, when people give me some insight or feedback that I don't want to hear, how do I respond to that and why do I respond that way? And, you know, what does success mean for me? Like all of these kind of really fascinating things to consider rather than, you know, so many people that I talk to, Matty, you know, I mean essentially I've had this conversation hundreds, maybe more of times where people go, They're sitting in front of me, they're 50, and they go, No, this wasn't my plan. And I'm like, What do you mean? Oh, you know, this, my life, my body, my health, my situation, my job, this wasn't my plan. And then when we dig a little deeper, I find out they didn't really have a plan. They just had an idea of how things would turn out. Mm -hmm. They had a wish list. And I'm like, Well, can I see the plan? They're like, What do you mean? I go, Well, you said this isn't how, this wasn't your plan. Can I have a look at the plan?
0: What they really mean is this, isn't my, this wasn't my vague intention.
1: Yes. I mean, if, if there's a plan, there's a timeline, there's structure, there's process, there's accountability, mm-hmm. there's KPIs, there's a to-do list, there's check-ins. Like where is that? Let me see that plan. Let me see what you've done, what you're executing. Let me see the intention, the plan. Uh, let me see the strategy around this thing that didn't work out. There is no strategy. There's mm-hmm. just I get up every day and I do what I've always done for some people
0: yeah no totally and i and I even see that you know at at my age where people are you know already in places that they didn 't want to be five or ten years ago and it's it 's the same idea it 's like what did you do to get here um, and the the thing the other thing that came up um as you were talking then was that it 's really interesting that the physical tangible outcome can be the same, whether it be monetary success, whether it be six pack abs whether it be you know fame or you know a successful band or whatever it is and that it's just the story that we attach to it that can produce the outcome of being unsatisfied or if you found a deeper meaning, you can still produce the body or the money or the outcome and feel totally fulfilled. So I find it interesting that the material reality can look identical, but if we change the story and maybe the level of depth that that story affects us to, that we can still produce all the same results and have them mean a totally different thing.
1: That is absolutely true because the human experience... The human experience for me and you and each of our listeners is subjective, which is why I can run a 100 meter race and I can come absolutely last. And for me, I've been successful because I ran against superior athletes and I ran my personal best. Mm-hmm. So I came last, but I won and I'm happy. I'm, you know, I ran 11 1. They mm-hmm. all ran sub 11, but I've never run under 113. Today I run 111, one, they run sub 11, and I'm I've done a PB and I'm happy. And the guy who came second's pissed off. Yeah. The guy who came second's angry and upset. It's not because of the result, it's because of the story that we tell ourselves about the result. Now that happens in life. Like I've got the I've got the 80-inch TV, I'm not happy. I need the 90. You know? <laughs> And I remember when I had the bloody square box 26-inch TV, you know, which looked like something from Back to the Future, and I thought that was bloody miraculous and, and <laughs> breathtaking and space age.
0: Well, as as you know, there's um, psych studies that show that the less um, options, the less number of options we have, the, the happier we will be because we begin doing trigonometry in our head when there's so many different pros and cons the way up and and it just becomes really complicated and and it, it's all, i often think about like the ben and jerry's ice cream options versus baskin robbins which had 47 you know mm. and, and ended up disappearing from the market
1: <laughs> that's that is so true uh, i have a little quick anecdote about that so i i had um back in the dark days when i was i was still working in gyms but i've always been a bit creative with design and graphic stuff which is why i've written books and design logos and all kinds of things. But for about a year, while I was still running gyms, I was 19, I had a business called Classic Screen Printing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and I used to design logos and people would come to me and um, and I, uh, I would print shirts and T-shirts. And I used to go to a few concerts and I originally, so let's say a band's playing, I would design, uh, I would design a, a logo or, a, or an image and I'd have maybe... Three or four different styles. I'd have three or four different sizes. I'd have a couple of, and by the time you do this, there's 40 variables, right? Yeah. And I didn't, it didn't go that great. And in the end, I used to sell black t shirts uh, or black hoodies with a white print. That was it. And there was literally, a, maybe there was, you know, and small, large, extra large, or whatever, you know, that, that mm-hmm. used to sell much more, like way less options. Uh, Way less variables, way less expense for me in terms of setup, and way better outcome. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Like if you go and look in the cereal aisle, not that you want to look in the cereal (laughs) aisle, anyone. Don't take me. Avoid the cereal aisle, but just as an exercise in you know understanding this, look at all the bloody cereals, and and all of them are shit. Well,
0: and that makes me think of like whether it be the business world and they tell you to niche down, whether it be talking to people about this conversation we're having like what is your plan And people are like, oh but you know if I pick something that means I miss out on everything else and and the irony between of doing that is if you don't pick something, you miss out on all of it.
1: That's true. that's true. That's true. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you and I having said that, I'm just thinking as you're saying that. So for me, I, I, um, I mean, you specialize a new niche in a way, but you cover a lot of territory within that box that you live. You know what I mean? It's not a small box that you live in. Well, I'm happy whereas about for, that. <laughs> yeah, whereas for me, it's like I go, let's have a project called, let's have a podcast called the You Project, and we can just talk about all human stuff. Which pretty much there's no, there's really no boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. psychology, emotion, relationships, communication, pain, pleasure, joy you know, goal setting, self-management, you know, and and I like having a big space to play in, but the common denominator is every episode we're talking about the human experience, you know, so. Yeah. um, But I think also, you know, there's certainly like with podcasts like yours and the kind of work that you do, I think if you, which obviously you are very good and I'm not pissing in your pocket because I'm on your show, but you're very, very good at what you do, I reckon even if you are playing in a, a more of a niche market, if you're really good, you're going to succeed anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. yeah, no, it's totally. Just, it's like even when you think about podcasts, and I don't think that, uh, and I mean this respectfully to both of us, your show or my show, I don't think we're the high watermark for podcasting, but I think your show is great. I've listened to a bit. My show's all right. We go okay. But the truth is, I mean, they don't even know how many really, but it's somewhere around five to six million podcasts in the world. That's not episodes. That's actual shows that have plethoras of episodes, right? Well, I mean, you'd want to be pretty fucking spectacular to have a successful podcast because every man and his dog has got one and the barriers to entry are so low. Yeah. You can literally sit in your mum's basement with an iPhone (laughs) and know how to use a few things and now you've got a podcast. You know, or you're Joe Rogan who's got 12 million listeners in an episode or anyone in between. So yeah. it's, it's, it's trying to create something that meets a need and resonates with people. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential,
0: conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, And I know when I was on the journey of figuring out which, you know, social media thing to go towards, I was originally trying to be everywhere because that was sort of, you know, my naive thinking. And then somebody said to me, What do you enjoy doing? And I was like, Mm. Hanging out with people and getting deep. And it was like, Mm. Do a podcast. (laughs) Mm. And here we are.
1: (laughs) Well, and also the beauty of this is you and I can talk for 20 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes. And we could talk about, like, roughly at the start before we rolled, you and let's talk a bit about resilience. And I went, sure. And we've done that for four minutes. And then we've been at a tangent ever since. <laughs> Guess what? Who cares? You know? Totally. Like, yeah. Is it a good conversation? Is it relevant to are people still listening? Is it, that's what I think. I, I don't care. Like, last night I had on my show a lady who's a professor of astrophysics and she's uh, an astronomer. She's one of the leading female astronomers in the world. And I went in thinking, well, I know the moon. That's it. That, I know <laughs> moon the moon. <laughs> yep, yeah, that, that's that's it. That's the end of my astronomical <laughs> knowledge, right? Um, and it was fascinating. I, I, I went in thinking, I don't know how I'm going to make this interesting, but it was really interesting, and she was brilliant. And that's the beauty of you know this forum, this medium, where you can talk. You know, I don't know where you are at the moment, but we're in very different rooms in different places. Where are you? What area are you in at the moment? Kensington. Yeah, I'm in Hampton. You're in Kensington. You know, we're nowhere near each other Mm -hmm. uh, in the context of the world we are, but in the context of close proximity we're not. Yet we're doing this awesome thing. We're having this conversation. And I just think from this point of view, from a tech point of view, from a communication connection and ease of pushing things out into the world, it's never been better.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And before I move on, I, you know, thank you for your very kind words and I'm very much following in the footsteps of giants with you in front of me. So I'm grateful for that kind of support and just you doing your thing. It allows me to, to model that, you know.
1: Well, mate, you're very good and I'm not pissing in your pocket because I, I wouldn't do this. I don't mean to sound, you know, but I wouldn't come on if I didn't think you were good and the show wasn't good and I wouldn't, you know, you're on my show tomorrow for, I don't know, third or fourth time. And the reason is because you're fucking great. Like there are lots of people who work in your space, but there are very few, in my opinion, in my experience, who are as affable, likeable, uh, emotionally, socially intelligent as you that can disseminate what can be complicated things in a very user-friendly way. And that is podcast perfect. Like (laughs) that's what you want on a podcast Let's get smart people on who can share stuff in a way that doesn't confuse the fuck out of everyone. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Let's have let's have convers let's talk about the meaning of life or subjective reality or quantum fucking physics if we want or, mm-hmm. or nutrition or our relationships or whatever. But let's let's also build something that people actually want to tune into, make sense, and hopefully helps a few people. And you you do all of that stuff effortlessly. I was really glad when I found you because you're an asset to my show.
0: Yeah, thank you. And obviously, likewise, I really appreciate it. And I'm just thinking as you're talking there, like kind of leveraging that idea of podcasts is that I think there was a – and the conversation around resilience and and people, you know, figuring out what they want in life and everything we've kind of talked about. I think that podcasts are a kind of a blessing in disguise in that regard because we went through this period of the internet and social media where you know we've got Silicon Valley full of um, psychological engineers and the same in the sugar industry, which are hacking stuff to hack our serotonin, and our dopamine pathways to make it you know unquestionably easy to to hit your social media and and watch the you know in the early years of business for me it was like no you've got to do um i even used to do 60 seconds sunday and then it was like no you need to do 30 second snippets no you need to make them now tiktok's 15 and and Mm. it's like you get to a point where it's just like you're just chasing your tail trying to share this information and i think podcasts are really good especially in the in the fact that we went through this period of like you know, hyper accessible dopamine on a minute level. And Mm. now we've got people that are willing and Joe Rogan's been obviously a leader in this space, people are willing to sit down and spend hours of their time consuming an entire idea or an entire conversation. And I think even that as a beginning place for people to start building strength and building resilience and figuring things out is to realize that these whole conversations really do inform you much better than tidbits and one-minute videos and 15-second snapshots, whilst there might be little doses of inspiration here and there, they're fleeting. Hmm.
1: And also, it, yeah, correct. It also tells us that not everything uh, works to the recommended formula. Like mm-hmm. I remember someone saying to me, um, oh, I put up a video, and they, they knew much more than me about video production and all that and YouTube, mm-hmm. and, and they're like, ah, oh, it's too long, it's too long, it's got to be a, minimum, a maximum of two minutes. I remember that, and and I think I had in a day like thirty thousand views on the video that was too long. Now I know that's not a million, but like people watched eight or nine minutes of of this thing that I did, and then some of the other stuff that I've done, um, where you go, oh, that's don't don't do that. Don't I did a I did a video, um, <laughs> Matty about you. You probably do a better job than me, but it was how to be a world champion poo, right? <laughs> Uh and it was I can't even remember what it was could something like that. That that's what it was about though. Like mm-hmm. and it was funny and I'm like, well, everyone poos, right? No one wants to talk about it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I reckon half the world's constipated either regularly or semi-regularly, or let's talk about, you know, let's let's I mean let's not do a three week bloody workshop on it and let's not write a book on it. Let's let's do a cute little video on it. That were nuts. That were nuts. And I mean everyone not everyone, but most people <laughs> Because it was funny as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's take the piss, let's have a laugh, but let's also talk about something that, by the way, if you're not having a poo for a week, that is not good for you. There's a lot of stuff going on there that we won't unpack right now, but... So let's talk about that. Let's not pretend, let's not all get embarrassed about something that everybody does. I mean, that's the other. Like, yeah, the, we are daily. so, oh, yeah, no, let's let's definitely not talk about what you mean, that thing that everyone in the world does. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, neither does it need to be the focus of anything, but, yeah.
0: Oh, totally. And, and there's a number of things that fall into that category, right, whether it be sex, whether it be mm emotions for most people and i can even speak for men that talking about you know we all feel this cascade of emotions on basically a daily basis and it's very weird to express that or talk about it um and you know i think it's just it's weird that there's all these human things that happen every day of your entire existence that we don't share with each
1: other Mm, that That is interesting. And I think the reason, I think there's a bunch of reasons, but it all comes under the banner of fear. You know, it's like, oh, what will people think of me? Will will people not like me? I don't mm-hmm. want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be judged. I, you know, all fear-related thoughts and ideas, and I get that. But, you know, the irony is too, or, or the, I don't know if it's the, yeah, I think it's irony. Um, mm-hmm. For me, the older I get, <clears throat> the more I'm, the more vulnerable I am publicly and I don't do it for effect. I just got the, I I personally got tired of not saying some things where I knew, you know, it's like, well, I could actually uh, help them uh, but, you know, I don't want to look like I'm not a leader or I'm not a bloody alpha male or what, you know, and I'm not, (laughs) I'm not an, I'm just a bloke, right? Yeah. And I've got issues and I've got bullshit and I've got dysfunction and I've had eating issues most of my life. Um, Mm. I'm an overthinker, I've got self-doubt, I feel like an imposter. And the funny thing is that you can be relatively successful. I mean, I've worked in telly and radio and written books and done some cool things and some some people would curiously think I'm successful, but in the middle of that apparent success, I still don't feel successful quite often and I still feel like not good enough. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not good enough, but it doesn't mean that I can't feel that. Mm -hmm. You know, and so one of the challenges I think in this whole how do I manage me kind of conversation is how do I, how can my self-doubt and crappy self-esteem at times coexist with the knowledge that I'm not crap actually, I'm not bad actually, I'm not terrible, I'm not, you know, um, I've done thousands of paid presentations and I can still get ready while I'm standing at the side of a stage and there's an MC on stage going, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is, you know, and blah, blah, make welcome. And I, uh, while that person or he or she, it could be a lady, is introing me, I'm at the side of the stage going, uh, there's this voice going, yeah, this probably been the day you fuck it all up. You know, this is uh, yeah. this is the day you crash and burn. You've gotten away with it for a long time. You've been really lucky but they're going to find out today you're actually shit, you know. So and I go, (laughs) where the fuck does this all come from? Like I've done this well and I'm good at it. That's why I get asked to go back. But even me right now saying I'm good at something, Mm -hmm. I'm very uncomfortable with that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's another issue, you know.
0: Well, yeah, and that can be both a subjective and an objective thing of, you know, who's good at what and, and depending on the outcome and the, the metric that you use to measure that outcome, you know, it can be, was a good, is it like someone mm. that might have, you have, might have rubbed the wrong way might say, mm. that's terrible, that guy was terrible, and then in five years, they'll be like, actually really needed to hear that.
1: <laughs> well, and also, I mean, you've probably had that as well. I've had where people, I've had criticism and absolute praise for the same presentation mm. on the same day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: we go, oh, well, you know, and the thing is one of my lecturers at university the first time around, Professor Paul Callery, the great man, uh, said to me, he said, Harps, if, if, what did he say? If you don't want to offend anyone, then say nothing, do nothing, be nothing and stand for nothing. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you'll never offend anyone and even then you'll probably offend someone. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. And then even then with offense, let's get philosophical. You go, "Well, did I offend them or did they just get offended?" Because mm. if I was the cause, then how come everyone wasn't offended? How come it was the one? Yeah. And so is it me? Is am I the am I the reason? Because if I'm the reason, why did those other people love it? Am I also the reason for that? So this is a philosophical rabbit hole
0: totally and then well continuing in that in that direction i guess as well is is the confusing nature of us disproportionately giving emotional attention to the one When there's the ninety nine were good and the one was bad, and so we, you know, it's like if we weigh that up as a mathematical equation, it's the one is basically pointless. But our ego is, you know, so invaded by that kind of comment or offended by that comment that we give all this attention to the one person that didn't approve of us or the one person that didn't have a good experience.
1: Also, sorry. Also, maybe that's about. Maybe that's about our crappy self-esteem where we want everyone to love us, mm-hmm. you know, um, and everyone to value us. And, and look, I mean, this is a tricky subject because right now there's a lot of, for good reason, um, political correctness talk and energy and there's also a lot of talk around what's offensive and what's not. Um, but we need to, I think, tread carefully because if, if being offended is purely just about how a person interprets anything, mm-hmm. there we'll get to a point where no one can speak publicly because you might say elbow and I go, I right, that's it. I'm completely <laughs> offended by the word. How dare you use elbow on your podcast? Now, that the sounds funny. The end of a funny. forearm, not elbow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But that's, that sounds funny. But literally, what is the word? It's just a fucking yeah. uh, amalgamation of letters, right? Now, I can say fuck and some people now probably will really not like that. I get it. And other people will not even notice it and some people go, that's a bit amusing. Mm-hmm. But if we can kind of take the heat out of the word and just go, oh, wow, and we're just using those four letters assembled in that way as an example of individual perspective and response to a stimulus, the stimulus being, in this case, a word. Now, if some people are offended, some people find it funny, some people use it daily, mm-hmm. So, you know, if we've got 20 different responses, why is one response the right response? Why do we have to all go, oh, well, Sally's offended, so we should all be offended, you know. Despite yeah. So this is, you know, and I'm not talking about things that we might more broadly and collectively agree are offensive, mm-hmm. you know, um, that all, the, all the kind of biggies. But when it yeah. just comes down to language and interpersonal stuff and it's like it's a slippery slope and we don't want to get to a point where... You know, we can't just have conversations without being perpetually anxious about every sentence being filtered.
0: Absolutely. And when you say that, without intending to open up another can of worms that needs an entire another podcast, mm. um, I, th- I think too that with this extreme political correctness and that self, uh, self-inflicted self anxiety because you don't want to in- invoke uh, your own negativity towards yourself from offending somebody, is that the more that we lack expression or the, the comfort in being ourselves or putting words out into the world, the more we suppress our identity and that desire will explode somewhere else. Like that mm. that that um compression in each individual of, you know, pushing back in their feelings, pushing back in their thoughts, pushing back in their opinions into them, you could even argue in many and books have been written on the meta- metaphysical impact of disease. And, and, you know, when you're pushing that back into the individual, that will explode in another way, whether it be domestic violence at home, behind mm. closed doors, whether it be mm. developing cancer, whether it be a war, you know, because a collective mm. community is so individually um, oppressed and suppressed by themselves because of this political correctness. And social media, you know, is obviously... That's a that's a difficult one because you know mm. it's so politically correct on there that well now censorship is normal and accepted which is probably part of the
1: same problem. Mm. And I think also, I mean, you opened another door there. Which yeah, you're right. We could do a whole chat on that. <laughs> yeah, but, sorry. <laughs> I mean, the relationship between what's happening in my mind and my emotions and my body. This is a system. This is a it's one system. It's not three different systems. Mind, emotion, body is intertwined. And we can separate it, but in reality, on a functional level for the human being, you know, when I have a thought, even if the thought is completely flawed, it's a flaw. And the thought that I have right now is, oh my God, I'm in trouble. I'm in danger. Even if there is no danger, but if I think I'm in danger, I believe I'm in danger, then there's an accompanying emotional response, fear and anxiety, and there's a physiological response, heart rate and breathing, adrenaline and cortisol and sympathetic nervous system, and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. And it all happens, all, and it's all triggered by a thought. It's all triggered by a story. Yeah. you know, And it's like if you say something to me and I think that what you said is offensive despite the fact that on no level were you trying to be offensive to me, but if I label your word or your sentence or whatever, if I label that offensive and then I believe it's offensive, then I, then I am now in the middle of a being offended experience that I created. Yeah, and, and right?
0: that experience is yours.
1: That's mine and I built it because the person sitting next to me heard the same words, not on any level offended. Now, yeah. you know, and even when you talk about this, people get offended talking about it, yeah. you know, so... But, again, this is the metacognitive process. This is literally a psychological process of trying to unpack how we think and why we think the way we do and where these emotional and physical responses are coming from and how and what part of the problem am I. You know, I assume when I've got problems, I always assume I'm at least 50% of the problem. Mm -hmm. I never go, ah, it's Matty he's a dickhead, it's all him, I'm awesome, he's 100% wrong, I'm 0% wrong, let's move on. If only he would be more like me. Nonetheless, that's kind of how a lot of people think. Yeah, totally. You know, in the echo chamber of confirmation bias, what you, What do you mean you don't think like me? What do you mean you don't agree with me? Mm-hmm. Therefore, I hate you, therefore I'll criticise you, therefore you're wrong, I'm right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's a dangerous time and place in terms of communication right now because... Yeah. You know, we can't just, and, of course, you know, there are limits and levels, of course, what I'm talking about in terms of general dialogue. There are some things I just won't say even though I believe them because I know it won't produce a good outcome. Mm -hmm. I'm not not scared to say it, but I just know this won't produce, you know, people will misinterpret this and this will create a shit fest, so I don't. But it's a pity that that has to be the case.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, I guess with long form conversations pulling apart these topics that and the growth of podcasts and now YouTube videos going the other direction, they're getting longer mm. and longer. Um, mm. is that we can begin to introduce these concepts that aren't in three or five or ten second sound bites that are just the offensive bit, you know. And it's like <laughs> there's the whole thought and the whole idea and the individual even said that they don't particularly feel this way all the time. Or maybe tomorrow yes. I won't even feel this way about this topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh so. look, and also to, to like, I put up my hand and I go the the like the biggest problem in my life is me. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm always working on me. I'm I'm perpetually dealing with my stuff. And I think if we're aware enough and okay with being a bit humble and vulnerable and going, yeah, look, I'm definitely part of the problem. And by the way, I've got issues. And by the way, I've got stuff. But I'm having a crack. Like I'm having a go. Mm. And I'm not pointing the finger and. By the way, when things fuck up, usually it's me. It's usually me. I'm usually the problem. And that's not self-loathing, that's self-awareness. But I think this is, you know, when we talk about personal development, which is part of your show, self-management, self-awareness, part of your show, big part, big part of mine, like this is what we're talking about. Take ownership for what you put in your mouth. Don't fucking blame people. Take ownership for what you do with your genetics or don't do. Take ownership for what you're spending money on. Um, you know, again, it's not about beating yourself up. It's about saying, what am I producing in my life or not producing and why?
0: Yeah, and I mean, to come full circle, like that's, probably a great place to start to build resilience right is to just just start being aware of what's happening and taking ownership for the things that are occurring and that won't happen overnight and there'll be lots of stories that come up and and blame that gets put externally to yourself and it you know might take a few months or years to really learn the muscle of ownership but i think that's a great place to start with resilience because you realize you are the creator of your everyday.
1: yeah, the muscle of ownership. There's your title right there. I like it. There's your <laughs> podcast title, The Muscle of un- It's true, though, and it's, it's you know, we need to be prepared to work on us and we don't need to pretend that everyone else is right or everyone else is wrong, but the only person that I can control or want to control is me. You know, I can influence people, which I do through my work, which is nice, but mm-hmm. even then when people, like people sometimes contact me and go, I did you know, I've, I've done this and all this amazing stuff because of you and I write straight back and go, definitely not because of me, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely because of you because I'm just the theory guy. Even now, this podcast, what is it? It's two blokes talking. Mm-hmm. It's two blokes talking. It's theory. It's ideas. It's words. It's stories. It's insights. It's it. That's all it is. And how much value people will get on a really fundamental level the value is in what you do with what resonates. Yeah. you know what can I take away and apply or or try and get some shift on planet me? You know what can I use? and it and conversely, if all people want to do is listen and be entertained, that's cool too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's writing their own story, right? Correct. Now, I know you're a busy man, got two quick ones for you. Where can everyone find you, the you project, and all of your stuff online?
1: So craigharper.net, the very not creatively named website of mine, craigharper.net. You can follow me on Instagram at whiteboardlessons, one word, Facebook, hit me up. My home address is, nah, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm all over the joint. I'm all over the joint. Uh, the You Project, just on. go to the podcast app on your phone, The You Project. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'd love to connect and I'd love you to reach out and say hello and uh, you can hear Maddie. On my show tomorrow. Well, I don't know in context to when you hear this, but... (laughs)
0: as I am today, tomorrow. Yeah, totally. Amazing. And for everybody listening, um, all of those links will be down in the show notes below, so head down there to get your piece of Craig. Everyone needs one. Um, (laughs) And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, share it on social media, share it with anyone you think that might benefit from this kind of conversation. Just use us, leverage us to plant a seed. I like to think that people use me to bring up difficult conversations so they can blame me and not their partners for uh, ruining their day. Which is why I want to rename the podcast to Maddie Ruins Everything." Anyway, last question: um, What do you believe is one piece of health information more
1: people should know about? Wow, that's a big question, dude. Um, <laughs> look, I'm 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 going to go with I'm going to go with sleep, just because there are sleep is one of the killers. You know, if you, have, if you get your diet right, your exercise right, lifestyle right, but you are underslept chronically and continually, it's going to fuck you up. Let's be clinical about it. It's, so getting sleep right. Now, getting sleep right is not the – I'm not giving you a strategy. I'm just talking about that. So I know for me, I, I wasn't a great sleeper. I changed a few things around. I now sleep like a champion, and my health, and my immune system, and my energy, and my cognitive function, and my recovery from training—so many things are so much better because I now sleep well. So I, I would say, look, there are so many variables, but sleep is super crucial.
0: I would totally agree, mate. Thanks so much for being here. I'm, I'm yeah, rap that you uh, found the time in your super busy schedule to come and have a conversation, and I look forward to catching up on your show tomorrow.